Okay, laminitis. Laminitis is something horse owners dread and something I love to work with and talk about almost as much as I like talking about Star Wars and Amelia Clark. I just think that horses' feet are such amazing pieces of creation. I love looking at the microscopic images of how the lamina zip together and interlock together, making an extremely strong structure for helping a horse run majestically through the field. So the first thing we need to do is discuss what is laminitis. First, laminitis, or founder as lay people call it, is the separation of the lamina in the hoof capsule of a horse. So imagine a hoof. On the inside you have a, the bone. This is basically the last digit or bone of your middle finger, if you were comparing it to humans. I love comparing it to humans because this is when I can give everyone in the room the middle finger and can get away with it. On the outside is a hoof which is basically comparable to a human fingernail. The connection between the bone and the hoof is the lamina. You most easily see this as the white line if you're looking at the bottom of the hoof. Sometimes, if you look closely in the white line, you can see the finger-like projections that are the lamina holding the hoof and bone together. Those little finger-like projections are called primary epidermal lamina. While harder to see, because it's even smaller, those finger-like projections have finger-like projections coming off of them. This is the secondary epidermal lamina. This is what interlocks the hoof to the body and its strength is increased by each little projection. Laminitis, or founder, is these attachments being destroyed. So what actually happens physiologically? Basically, disintegration of the lamellar attachments. Enzymes called metalloproteases get overactive. These enzymes are normally active in the foot, destroying small lamellar attachments so the hoof can remodel to changes in pressure to the hoof from normal walking. Remember, the hoof is an active and constantly changing part of the body. As different stresses are applied to the hoof, it remodels to adapt to those stresses. The metallia proteases do this. However, when the body is stressed, these metalloproteases overreact. This causes too much destruction of the lamella and thus laminitis. We're not exactly sure what causes the overreaction of the body, but we know it's a signal from elsewhere because these metalloproteinases are created and released locally in the foot. And if we cause vasoconstriction preventing toxins, toxins are in air quotes, from reaching the foot, then we don't cause an overreaction of the metalloproteases and thus prevent laminitis. So anyway, as a vet student, this is the stuff I couldn't get enough of, but as a horse owner, what is it that you see? Well, you don't see the metalloproteinases doing their work, but you will see a horse that looks like it's walking on eggshells. It shifts its weight away from affected feet. You will feel a bounding digital pulse, reluctance to walk or standing, and the horse lays down a lot. They might have a slippered toe, which looks like an elf shoe, and divergent growth rings, as well as often the horse is pivoting on its rear feet. When you see these things, you call the vet out. The vet wants to get some information. Be prepared for the vet to ask about previous medical problems or want to run blood work to rule out underlying problems. 
We see laminitis in Cushing's horses, or if a horse has a carbohydrate overload, and we have to treat those problems as well as the laminitis. Sometimes we will not be able to resolve the laminitis if those problems are not treated. Treating laminitis is often more than a simple fix. So first, let's talk about proper feeding. Starches, what is more in concentrate feeds, and often overfed by horse owners, I'm talking to you all and you know who you are, but starches are not digested well by horses. High grain diets prevents the small intestine from digesting food so it moves through the intestines quickly and gets to the large intestine where it disrupts the microbial flora by producing excess lactic acid. This decreases the pH in the large intestine, which produces gas and toxins, which then leads to laminitis. This can occur from poor feeding management or a horse that gets loose and chows down on grain that was meant for the entire herd. This is similar to what happens when a horse gets on that fresh grass in the spring or at a season change. The rich grass changes the pH in the gut and produces toxins that make their way to the feet. These toxins overactivate the metalloproteinases and then destroy the lamina of the horse causing one, two, or both of those, these things I'll talk about to happen. Those things are the horse will rotate its bone P3 in the hoof capsule, sink its hoof capsule, or both. How do we tell that this is happening? Radiographs. We shoot x-rays of the horse with markers on the foot at specific locations, then can measure exactly what is happening in the hoof. Are there other ways? Yes, if you know enough, you can measure the foot and pretty much draw out what is going on in the hoof capsule of the foot. But that is very tedious. X-rays are a much more simple and accurate way of getting this information. This allows veterinarians to work with farriers to determine how to treat a horse. Before we get to treatment, let's talk about the phases of laminitis, because that affects how we treat. And really, laminitis is a continuum, a sliding scale of these phases. You have at-risk horses, that could have laminitis, acute laminitis, which is clinical signs without bony displacement, or subacute, which is re resolution of the signs, but bony displacement has occurred or chronic where bony displacement has resulted and we are dealing with a laminitic horse. When we figure out roughly what stage of laminitis we are in, we can then start considering treatment options. The biggest thing to remember with laminitis is there's no one treatment. Anyone who says they have one way to treat every case of laminitis is lying to you or doesn't know what they're talking about. Each case is unique and individual. Various treatments will be combined and tried, and sometimes they will work, and sometimes they won't. I always talk about how serious this disease is and how it can be grave for the horse, but we can have luck, and many cases can recover. How you get horses that recover is when you as the owner works closely with the veterinarian and the farrier having open and honest discussions. As an owner with a laminitic horse, the first two things you have to decide is how far you are willing to go financially, because laminitis can be a financial investment. For most of us, there is a limit to money. But you must also consider the amount of pain a horse should be put through. 
at the beginning of a case of laminitis, have a talk with your farrier and vet to decide then what is the point of pain to stop at and how or what financially you can commit. Where mild laminitis may be treated simply and fixed in one to two weeks, other cases require months of work. Decide for yourself what the point of money to be spent to stop at and be sure to communicate this with the professionals you work with so everyone is working with the same guidelines. Work with professionals to decide when the amount and length of pain a horse goes through it to be cured is too much. Have these discussions early. This will help the owner have peace of mind for the treatment of the horse even if things do not go as desired. This helps professionals work with and guide you formulating a plan on treatment that fits your and your horse's needs, as well as guiding you when the treatment may need to be stopped. Everyone needs to have a clear understanding of expectations with regards to laminitis treatment. So what are our goals for actual treatment of laminitis? One, increase perfusion of the digit, except in the initial 24 hours of onset of laminitis. Two, support the bony column. Three, minimize inflammation. Four, treat any underlying problems. So what medicines can we use for this? First, ice. If a horse just ate a bunch of grain, your carbohydrate or grain overload cases, I will ice a horse's feet to cause vasoconstriction. This needs to be ice, not cool water, and fairly constant. This will cause vasoconstriction, decrease toxins getting to the horse's feet, and thus decreasing the damaging matrix metalloproteinases we spoke of earlier. But after that 24-hour period, I want to increase blood flow to the foot to get the blood's healing factors back to the foot. I have used acepromazine for this, and some people use isoxaprine. But most studies have mixed reviews on whether isoxaprine actually is effective. I like pentoxifiline, which actually, instead of causing vasodilation, will cause the red blood cells to be more flexible and get into the little crevices in the body. Next, we need pain control. Initially, I will give some banamine. And if I think there is a still a chance for toxins begin being in the body, will stay with banamine for a few days. But often I use Equiox. I used to use Bute, but its new cousin Equiox I like better because of the ease of dosing and less harsh effects on the body. If I'm on an NSAID at high doses for over two weeks, I will do one of two things. One, either give a few days off if the horse can tolerate it, or run blood work to make sure the drug um, isn't causing any problems in the body specifically in the gut or the kidneys. This is fairly rare, especially with Equiox, because the drug will wash out of the system very quickly. In general, though, I want the horse to be comfortable and find both Butte and Equiox to be very safe for the horse, even with longer treatment than the book recommends. Sometimes for pain control, I will use local anesthetics like nerve blocks, but this is usually more for the farrier and vet to get their diagnostic or trimming work completed. Next, we have to remember horses lay down. We want to prevent pressure sores, so we have to have nice thick bedding. And if a horse lays down, remember its food and water may need to be brought to it. 
Next, we must give the horse the support it needs. This usually involves wrapping its legs, especially the legs that are not affected by laminitis. The horse is putting extra weight on those legs and needs extra support so the legs don't wear out. Then we have to support the foot and prevent it from hurting. This is where the farrier steps in and can put various types of shoes on the horse or cast the horse. I don't recommend shoeing with nails. We have to remember this horse is hurting and hammers tend to cause pain. To imagine what a horse with laminitis is feeling, imagine a quarter of your weight is standing on your middle finger when you have just hit it with a hammer and your fingernail is falling off. Yeah, that's it. It sucks. This is often when I'm using the middle finger explanation, especially with owners that mm, may not be treating this as seriously as I think they should. So, the farrier can apply various shoes or even hoof boots. Other options are getting dry sand or peat moss for the horse to stand in. This is cushy and allows the horse to find the proper angles to put the foot for comfort. Remember, don't be stingy with this bedding. The horse is hurting and needs deep bedding. I also will try to do a lot of barefoot work, but that's why I talk about bedding so much. It complements that well. Barefoot trimming stimulates growing and makes a solid hoof. 100% of the hoof is being used versus 10% with a shoe. I bevel a lot off the edges. I do that to the extreme when I'm treating a laminitic horse with a barefoot method. Instead of, the, of walking on the hoof wall, the sole and the frog, I have the horse walk on the sole and the frog, keeping the pressure in the center so it can go up the bony column without putting weight onto those lamina. The hoof wall is what is causing the pain, so I get the weight off of that hoof wall and onto structures that can likely support more weight, i.e. the sole and the frog. Sometimes I achieve this with cushion support and casting the foot. Extreme measures may even be needed to, by resecting the hoof wall. I blew through treatment because it's so variable based on if I can find a farrier or not. The symptoms the horse is showing and the finances of the owner. I just want some of the basics down for you all to hear and so you know some of the tools we have to get a horse through laminitis. We'll try to get some laminitis episodes of actual cases in the future so you can see how this is applied. I'm Dr. Nathan. Thanks for listening. I hope our discussions are valuable to you and aid in giving perspective. If you want to contact us, please reach out to theveterinarypodcast at gmail.com. You can find a complete list of the podcast episodes on SoundCloud. If you find this information helpful and want more content, please join our Patreon, patreon.com slash theveterinarypodcast. And don't forget to follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash theveterinarypodcast. As always, thanks for listening, and I hope this information is helpful to you. If you do find it helpful, please like it, share it, so other people may find it helpful as well.